to go away. Yeah. That must be an interesting time. It was, yes. Well, we went and we sailed on the Aquitania. And, uh, Where from? From Fremantle. The convoy came to Fremantle. It was the Aquitania, the uh, Lusitania, the uh, Awatea, and the Queen Mary, all in the convoy. And uh, we went on the Aquitania, and she had not, she hadn't been completely stripped for um, uh, war service at that stage. So she still had, a, she was furnished a lot with antiques and everything all through the staterooms. And that hadn't been taken off at that stage because she'd been rushed into service. So we troops were sort of down and up because they had third class in those days, which was way down below the waterline with no portholes or anything. It wasn't very good. <laughs> what was the feeling like on the wharf when you uh, pre were preparing to leave? Oh, well, my mother and, and uh, one of her great friends came down to see us off and uh, they were on the other side of the wire and we were over on the wharf. And that's the last I saw of her. But Dad came out on one of the official barges to see us before we sailed. And I can always remember him going, uh, leaving, and the light of the, there's a big light over at the entrance into the boat. And this just turned around and it was be <laughs> awful. It was an emotional time Relented. then, but, mm. but just remembering it. Mm, it is emotional to remember it. Um, when you, you mention um, the ship, yeah. here you are, young blokes mm. on, on board the Aquitania, but for many of you, yeah. uh, the first time on a ship certainly first time heading overseas. Mm. What was the general feeling on board ship like in that case? Uh, it was pretty pretty normal really. Of course we used to have uh, lifeboat drill and all that sort of stuff and exercises and um, used to, we used to try and keep us fit on the trip but mainly the conditions were very cramped of course because it was even though it wasn't that at that stage of because we only went to Colombo in, in the Aquitania, uh, it wasn't as hot as it was for the later when we were, got to the Red Sea. But it was still very stuffy and hot because there was no air conditioning, and we had some thousands of troops on board. Unbelievable. The average day. How would you, you you spend the average day? When would you start? When would you finish? Well, they had stage breakfast, you know, they had sittings and uh, we'd probably start, probably get up about half past six I suppose, something like that, half past six and uh, then we'd have breakfast and then after breakfast you'd probably have shoots and uh, and exercise. Not a, not a tremendous lot you could do with so many troops on board. That was the main pastime. We used to swim in the pool sometimes. Sounds like a bit of a paid holiday to me at the moment. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, it was worse when we got to Colombo, though. Oh, well, tell us, tell us what it was like to get to Colombo then. When we got to Colombo, and and my uh, the girlfriend of my 
eldest brother, he wasn't married to her then. She, her family had the, uh, a cousin who was the head of the shell company in, in, uh, in Colombo. And uh, uh, he took us and we went back to, we'd been on the ship of course, you imagine what that was like. And we went back and he had a, a, a lovely apartment opposite the Gore Face Hotel, which was the big hotel then. And of course, Sam and I, we, I had a bathroom over there and he had a bathroom over there. And we had a couple of servants each handing us towels and running a hot shower. <laughs> and uh, then he took us over to the uh, Gore Face for lunch. And uh, afterwards put us in a car with his driver and took us, who drew, drove us all around Colombo to see the sights. And uh, then that night we were back on the ship again. But that, that was the last of luxury for quite a long time. Well, did you know where you were going? No. Oh, no. Not a thing. No, we didn't. You see, at that stage, uh, Eritrea was still in the Italians' hands. And it was still very dangerous going up to get, get to the Suez Canal, going through the Red Sea. So... Um, I was going to ask what precautions were taken on board ship. Well, because it was all blacked out, of course. Everything was blacked out. And um, that was the main precaution. But I can remember clearly one night the Queen Mary hit a, a dhow in, in, the, in the darkness. It hit a dhow. And the sirens went off. And some of us were up on deck because we used to try and sometimes we could sleep on deck. And the Queen Mary, she just left us like that. She'd just gone. Just put the, you, you can't believe how fast she could move and then she'd weave. They'd never hit her with, it would just be sheer luck to ever hit her with a torpedo because they didn't know what they'd hit. But that's, that was the only uh, alarm we had. And then we, when we got um, to the entrance to the stewards, we were held up for a bit because uh, the... Uh, They'd, they'd bombed, they'd dropped bombs on the sewer and they had a bit of, uh, on the canal, and they had a bit of cleaning up to do. And then we went uh, went up to uh, Ismailia and we got on the train to Palestine. What do you remember of, of going up the sewers? Oh, it was all very interesting looking out on desert and every now and again when we slowed down a bit, the Dows had come along and they were trying to sell us stuff. Uh, but it's quite fascinating to see the, when you do actually get ashore, to see the ships as if they're sailing through the desert. But uh, that's what I'm on my mind. Then we were on pack trains into, into um, Palestine and the second, uh, 16th, were there to, they, they of course were um, 7th Division. And they shepherded us into the camp and started our training there. What was it like to, to arrive? To actually get off? Oh, it was, it was very good. Yeah, just to get off that ship. Yes, it wasn't much. The crowdedness and the. Well, it, was, it was a pretty awful trip, particularly that, that, that last part was shocking. You know, we had this. Um, with a Dutch ship which used to go from Fremantle up to um, to the islands and they used to carry 25 passengers and we were there with about 2,000 
chaps on board. We used to, we were sleeping in the holes, a lot of us. And I can always remember this Dutch chap. He was a cook, and they had a, a cauldron in the middle of this, this um, you know, down in the hole, and it was great, huge, big cold, and that's what all the porridge was cooking. And it was stiflingly hot, and he'd be stirring it, and the perspiration would be running off his head and dropping into the porridge. <laughs> oh, it was awful. What was the, what did you, you change ship, obviously? Oh, yes, so they wouldn't let the big ships go up. It was too dangerous. They couldn't risk anything happening to those days because they were, they, were, they had to transport the troops wherever. And um, so they didn't go into the danger zones there because Japan wasn't at the war then. And, uh, but, um, so they just put us on these smaller ships how are the Italian forces seen? Seen? Seen. How, how are they looked at by uh, chaps like yourselves? Pretty. Well, they, they got a reputation which I think I've always felt wasn't deserved because they didn't want to fight. 99% of them didn't want to fight. It was only the fascist ones. And of course they were in a war they didn't want to be in. And uh, they turned out, they, they showed themselves to not be the, the best of soldiers. but. But I think uh, if it had been a they'd felt differently, there would have been different troops. They've always felt that. Because they're not cowardly people. We can talk about that later on. But for today, thank you. <laughs>